Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast, where struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I am Beth Syverson, a mom of a 17-year-old son, Joey, who's been dealing with drug addiction, depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation for several years. I am walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Please note that this episode mentions drug use and suicide attempts and may not be appropriate for sensitive listeners or younger children. Okay, today's episode, I'm really happy to introduce a friend and coach of mine, Heather Ross. She was uh, Jan's and my parenting coach when we were in crisis mode last uh, fall and she helped us so much and now she has a podcast called Living with Addiction and she's helping so many parents around the world with their uh, struggling teens and so I wanted to bring her on the podcast so I could uh, ask her questions and figure out uh, how she got to where she is and so she could share her wealth of knowledge with you all. So welcome Heather and thank you for being here for us. Thanks for having me on. I think it's, um, I feel honored to get to be on your podcast. I love what you guys are doing and the information you're sharing. So it's great to be on here today with you. Yeah. And Joey uh, knows Heather kind of in a roundabout way. He he knows when we started to see her that we became better parents. So he kind of remembers that shift. And then Joey, Jan, and I were on Heather's podcast. So Joey got to meet her and interact with her. And he really is a huge fan of yours. So yeah, um, I loved meeting him. And he just still, I'm still blown away by what an old soul he is <laughs> and all the wisdom that he has to share. So I can't wait for him to get back and be able to start yeah. sharing that again. Yeah, me too. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so life coach, what the heck is a life coach? <laughs> That's a great question. I get asked that a lot. So what I usually say is I help people get what they want. So in this situation, like when I'm working with parents who have a child struggling with addiction, they generally want their peace of mind back and they really what they want is for their child to stop using. But since we can't control that, we can control their experience of it. And so that's what I mainly focus on is helping parents get their peace of mind back you know, um, to repair their relationship with their child and help them to start living a fulfilling life again. Can you talk a little bit more about how we can't stop them from using? Because I, I tried every single possible thing to stop him and he, I, you can't stop it for somebody else. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I think that as parents, it's one of the first things that we run into that we really have no control over with our kids. So it takes a long time for us to get this concept that we actually can't control it. We keep trying to approach it in the way that we have approached everything up until that point. But it just creates the opposite of what we're trying to do. It pushes our kids away it generally ends up ruining our relationship and it makes us even more fearful, I think, because we're trying to get some control and we're doing the opposite of what we need to do. So it feels like we have even less control. So we end up, you know, to where our life isn't that great either. But there just comes a point where we have to realize that we cannot control another person. We cannot change them. 
I mean, I interviewed my daughter who's, you know, early in sobriety recently for my podcast. And she was saying that one of the things that helped her the most was when I let her go and quit trying to control her. I mean, there was absolutely nothing that I could do to make her want to get sober or want to change, that it is something that they have to come to on their own. And when you think about it, even how we feel with if we want to make a change in our life and somebody's really pushing us to do it and we're under all of this pressure, it just makes us want to resist it even more. It makes it that much harder. And so just letting go of them and loving them for who they are in that moment and not trying to change them and holding that space for them is the best thing that you can do for your child instead of trying to change or get them to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is such an important concept. And I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, no one had taught me that. I thought, oh, I'm a good parent. I can help. I can help him. I can find the right resources. I can find the right doctor. I can find the right rehab. I can find da 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 da. I can say the right words. Mm, nope, nothing, nothing helped. In fact, right, it was in the height of mom trying to do everything. And Joy said, Mom, I know you're trying to help, but this is making everything worse. You're making me want to use more. And I'm like, at first I was like pissed, like, what? It's not my fault yes. <laughs> that you want to use more. But I, 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 I took that in and went, wow, okay. He's telling me what I'm doing is not working. And if I want him to be sober, I better not do what he's telling me is not working. Yes. And I remember really on one of your meditation, you were talking about on one of the podcasts about you did the meditation where you saw him and he said, I just want you to follow me. I don't want you to catch me. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was such a beautiful meditation to see because that's what our kids want. They just, they need us to be there for them. They need us to be stable mm -hmm. and they need us to bring that sense of like regulation to the relationship. Like we've got to be the thermostat instead of the thermometer. But when we're chasing them and we're trying to change them, then we are not bringing any sta stability to the relationship. We're just as unstable as they are. And that's why it's so important for us to focus on ourselves and create that stable grounding in our own life so that we can stabilize the whole relationship. Yes, I totally agree. I think our anxiety just ratchets up, ratchets up the whole situation. And then they're like, oh, crap, this is really scary, I guess, because mom is a mess. Not like the flight attendant on the airplane. If you look at them in turbulence and they're, they're chill, you're like, okay, I guess this is just normal. And then when they're like, ah, I guess we're, our plane is crashing. I guess this is the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think about the way when I responded in crisis mode to everything that my daughter did, like you said, it just escalated the whole situation and made everything explosive most of the time. Like I wanted to blame the turmoil in our home on her when she was younger and still living at home. But I was playing a huge part in it with my reaction to everything that she did. Oh, what, what, what do you suggest parents do with that parental guilt of like, God, I could have done a different way. I could have done better. I, I made things worse. I caused this or that. The big thing with that is it keeps you focused on the problem. Like you're always just trying to figure out the problem instead of focusing on solutions. And I don't know that we'll ever have the answer. Like I had to just give up 
the idea that I would ever find the answer for exactly what happened. And the reason we want the answer for exactly what happened is because we think then we'll be able to fix it. But we might not ever get that. And we're wasting so much energy on trying to figure that out. So I had to go through this process of really just forgiving myself and, you know, for not understanding sooner, not seeing the symptoms sooner, not knowing how to respond, not being the perfect parent that could have stopped it. And there's the possibility that there's absolutely nothing that I ever could have done that stopped it. And so I had to really come to this realization. And there's this story that actually helped me a lot. I had some friends that I really looked up to and respected. I thought they were wonderful people and parents and they had twins. And one of them was struggling with addiction. And one of them was this straight A perfect, you know, college scholarship type student. And I thought like, it just was freeing to me to see that those two kids were raised same DNA, exactly the same, you know, by wonderful people, but they took two different roads in life. And at least at that point when, you know, things have changed and both kids are doing well now, but it was very freeing to me to see that situation. It was like a gift to see that they had everything the same, but things still turned out different. And so there was that possibility that there was nothing that I could have done. And that was also very freeing to me to just forgive myself and let go of the guilt. Because when we respond from guilt, we act totally differently than we respond from love and compassion. You know, so dropping that judgment really does have a lot of benefits. It's not going to do anything good for your child or yourself. And so it's not helpful <laughs> is the big thing. Definitely. I remember you told me that once I was just ruminating on something I felt bad about uh, in the past. And you're like, that's not helping anything. It, it doesn't do any good. It makes everything worse. It's just like, uh, add, add heat more yuck on top of the situation by adding that guilt and that backward reflecting mode. Like, uh, so that's really, really, really good advice. That's helped me a lot of times. On the other hand, how because this is where I end up. Um, I had a dream last night, actually, of a, someone from a hospital calling me and I woke up. Oh, oh, my God, something happened to Joey. That's always my fear, getting that phone call, getting that phone call. And how do parents that are in the middle of this struggle not just live there? We could live in the past or we could also live in the future waiting for that phone call to come. So, you know, our brain's job is to always be looking for danger. And so, of course, in this situation, we have something where we perceive that there is a lot of danger and it's really easy for us to get focused on that. And next thing you know, it's like a super highway in our brain. It's all that we can think about. We're living in this fight or flight all of the time. And again, we're just not useful to anybody when we're in that state. We're not helping anything. And we have to also remember that. <laughs> We're all in danger all the time. Like anything could happen to any of us at all of the time, but we choose not to focus on it. And so we have to do the same thing when it comes to our kids. Like I would have to constantly remind myself because I went through this phase with my daughter where I was just picturing her dead all of the time of an overdose. And I had to stop myself and redirect my brain to, I know she's okay in this moment. 
And then I would kind of feel guilty, like, well, what if she isn't? But again, I cannot, you know, avoid any pain. It's going to hurt really bad no matter what if something does happen to her. So feeling, you know, stressed about it all of the time, worrying about it is not going to help the situation any more than feeling guilty. So it comes back to that self-regulation again and focusing on what we know and that everything is okay right now. And that's the only way that we can keep moving towards solutions. So it's natural for our brain to want to do it. There's nothing wrong with you if you feel that way. A lot of parents really struggle with it, but it's just one of those things that's like, if you worried about getting in the car that you were going to wreck every time you would never go anywhere, but it is possible. It could happen at any time. And so it's that same thing. You think about it, but you get in the car and you go and you redirect your brain. And it's kind of the same thing that we have to do with our kids. Oh, definitely. So it just leaves us, all we have to do is stay in the present moment, which is ah, the hardest thing in the world to do. Yes. <laughs> oh, such good advice. So I imagine you weren't always a life coach. Do you want to tell us your story of how you became a life coach? What circumstances brought you to this place? And tell us about your daughter and that kind of thing. Yeah. So my, I used to be a corporate controller and my daughter's addiction started when she was, I think like 13 years old. Um, she started drinking and using marijuana, but I did not know that she was doing it. She was able to hide it for a long time. She was one of those kids who was like straight A student, you know, great kid. I would have never suspected that any of these things were happening before I knew. And like I said earlier, I did not respond well to it when I realized that she was struggling. Um, initially, it came out as an eating disorder. And um, she then it went into cutting and then she was smoking pot. And, you know, there was times that she was suicidal and she was trying other drugs. And I didn't know it till until later, but she had even tried heroin at that point. She had gone to shooting up heroin pretty quickly, but didn't stick with it. So she was like willing to try just about anything. And I was panicking. I was doing everything I could think of to stop it. I was taking her to holistic doctors, regular doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, a nutritionist, you know, somebody who worked specifically with people for eating disorders. Like I was just dragging her from doctor to doctor. She did not want to be going. Um, you know, I probably did that for like a year and I was losing myself slowly in the process. The stress in our home was high on every level. My husband, who was not her dad, um, we're divorced now, but at the time it was causing a lot of stress in our marriage because him and I had very different beliefs about how to approach her addiction. So I always felt stuck in the middle between him and her and trying to make everybody happy. And I was the one losing everything during that process. I gained a bunch of weight. I was sick all of the time. I wasn't working out. I mean, it just, I was like the poster child for everything that you shouldn't do when your child is struggling with addiction and how you, you know, like a for also for not taking care of yourself. And I just had this moment where I thought like, if I don't change something in my life, I was laying in bed sick. I'd been, I finally ended up with pneumonia. 
like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to end up dying if I don't change my life. And my dad had died at 47 years old from a heart attack. And I was, you know, in my mid forties and I'm like, I want to live a long, healthy life. And I started making changes and I found my life coach because I wanted to lose weight. At that time, I was pretty feeling like there was nothing that could be done to help me as far as my daughter was concerned. But the tools that I was learning for weight loss were actually thought related tools. And I was like, wow, I can apply these to my situation with my daughter. And I started doing that. And then I was like, I can, you know, this is what's missing in the world. I can start helping other parents with this because we're missing this approach. There's just not enough help out there. And so I'm like, I'm going to become a life coach. I totally changed my career (laughs) and started working with parents that had a child struggling with addiction because I was like, I felt there was this empty space and I had something different, a different approach that parents really needed that actually could give them solutions, whether their child was struggling with addiction or sober, like either way, they could have answers and things that they could implement. Yeah, definitely. Well, there... I am so glad I found you because I was looking for just something like what you offered because I couldn't, I, there was nothing really for parents in the healthcare system or in the rehab system, in the addiction system. There's very little for parents except for a lot of blame. Yeah, (laughs) I got thrown under the bus so many times in family therapy for um, various places. It was terrible. Um, But so everything, everything I, I found made me feel worse and made, made my life worse. So when I found you, I was like, Oh, Oh, there is something for me in here that, that can help me feel better. So I can be better for Joey. And, and for me too, heck there's, there's a me in here somewhere. Cause like you said, I got totally lost in this whole process of trying to help Joey. I, I totally lost myself. I still, still am that way. Sometimes it's a struggle. I often have to come back to. I remember when I first called you. Oh, and I, I was going to say how I found you. I was sharing on caring bridge, which is kind of a blog for only the people that you want to hear about whatever health issue. So I was sharing about Joey's, um, struggle on caring bridge. And one of the people on caring bridge was a former mastermind group member, uh, just an acquaintance really at that point. But she had become a life coach and she said, hey, Beth, have you ever thought about coaching? And I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. And so I said, do you know anyone that's that helps people with kids who are addicted? And so she I guess she searched her network and found you. You're in Florida. I never would have I never would have found you on my own. So I'm I'm so grateful for those little little connections, little little links that get us to where we need to be. But when I first called you, I was like, oh, Heather, oh, my gosh this is so horrible. My kid is trying to kill himself. He's overdosing. He's ending up in the hospital. He's running away. And you're like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't shocked. And I was like, what? Every other parent I tell this stuff, they're like, oh, oh my God. And you're like, yep, been there, done that. And, um, <laughs> and worse probably because, um, your daughter was using heroin and, oh God, and has been at it for a lot longer than my son. So, yeah. It was, it was oddly a relief to have someone not freak out about my story. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. You say that because if, you know, on one hand, 
if I was to freak out, then I'm just adding to what you're experiencing, right? Or I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this must be awful. Then you start to feel awful. But to have that experience of somebody just sitting there listening to you, holding space for you and saying that they understand and allowing it to be just about you and what you're dealing with is what I love about coaching that, you know, you can just show up as you are and start working through things. And I also love that you brought up that it was for you which is a gift in this that we don't see. We think we have to do all this work for somebody else, but really mm-hmm. it affects our whole life. We're able to change all of our relationships by doing the work that we need to do to support our kids. So there's a lot of wonderful byproducts as well. Oh, definitely. At, at some point in the middle of all that um, really bad crisis times last year, I thought, okay, Joey's trying to destroy his life. But I, I want to live mine. I don't want to destroy mine in the process. And I was, I was not doing well at all. I was just barely hanging on, you know? So I feel in a much better place now. I, I feel a lot more uh, whole, you know? Yeah, still, it really sucks that my kid is still struggling so hard. But I am okay. I am okay. And that, that makes it, okay for Joey to lean on me a little bit when he needs to. And he knows that I'll, I'll be okay. I'm here for him. So it, it works out good for both of us. And uh, it also coaching with you, having you coach us, it helped our marriage. Jan, Jan was seeing you too. And our, cause our marriage was so like lost in the whole situation too. It's like, we are both luckily, unlike um, your situation, Jan and I were both on the same page but super on the opposite page of Joey's dad. (laughs) So we had that major have that major anger and upset all the time, which was kind of really interfering with our marriage. So we got that back in the process too, which is huge. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, it can help with every relationship and it's interesting too. Like every parent feels alone in this and like they're the only person experiencing it. But the other reason I wasn't surprised when we had our conversation is because, you know, 99% of parents, unless they've already gone through some kind of program, and then it's still hard to do it when it comes to being your own child, all parents have a very similar reaction you know, and most kids are going through when they're struggling with addiction, they're going down a similar road. And so it's like the road splits when addiction comes in and the parents start traveling one road and the kids start traveling a different one, but where all the parents are on the same one and all the kids are on the same one. And so I just like to keep repeating that there's nothing wrong with you because that, you know, creates a lot of shame. Like we feel like there's something wrong with us. Like this is only happening in our homes and it's just happening. It's becoming more and more common, more and more people are dealing with it. And so I want to get rid of that stigma and shame that this is a normal response. Nobody is just born knowing how to handle something like this. And the, the tools that we, you know, the skills that we have for everyday life just don't work in this situation. And that's why it's so hard. So it's really important. I think that's why I love that you're doing this podcast and sharing your story too, because it just opens up the door for more parents to understand and get rid of that shame and start sharing. And the less shame there is, 
then the less shame our kids have to feel too, because then we can all start having open conversations like you do with Joey. You know, I love the conversations I've heard with you guys, and I have the same ones with my daughter. And I think that it makes a huge difference in the overall, the whole situation, just to bring that unconditional love and support when we get rid of the shame. I think so too. And I'm so proud of Joey for wanting to help other families with this. And, um, He's the one that thought of the podcast. It wasn't me. And um, he wanted us to continue the podcast while he was relapsing because he was on the verge of relapse. And I'm like, what do you want to do with the podcast? And he goes, I want you guys to keep doing it. I want you to talk about relapse. So what a gift to the world that he's he's willing to do that. And yes. uh, and your daughter, too. You just had her on your show and and you've been coaching and and you're having the podcast, I, I assume she gave you permission long ago to, yes. to use her life as a, an example, right? Or as a... Yeah. I mean, when we first talked about it, she said, I like the idea of what we've gone through helping other people. Um, I try to be careful about what I share about her. I limit it. I try to keep it as focused on my experience as much as possible. But at the same time, I do have to share some of her experience um, in order to do that. But I, I feel pretty confident that I know what she's okay with me sharing. And she's, you know, was generous enough to come on the podcast and share more than I expected her to. So, um, yeah, I mean, these kids, there goes through a time where we wonder what's happening to them and if they'll ever be the same. But that amazing kid that we love so much is in there still. Like you can see that in both of our kids, like how generous and giving and how much they both want to just help people. Yeah, they want to. Joey, and I'm sure Helena is the same. He's like, I don't want all this pain to go to waste. (laughs) I want somebody to benefit from all of this that we've learned. And um, it's funny. Sometimes I tell parents, I like to find parents of preteens or uh, eight, nine, 10 year olds and tell them about my podcast. And I see the look in their eyes like, oh no, my kid's not going to end up like your kid. And I'm, it makes me a little Okay. It makes me a little sad. makes me feel like a little bit like, oh, they're judging me. But I push past that and I just, I just keep putting it out there because God, if I had heard some of the information that I now know, if I had heard that then, and, and if I knew that every kid is vulnerable to this stuff, it's so, the drugs are so commonplace in the schools and it's just out there. And if, if parents of younger kids would start kind of cluing in and not just being in denial, like, oh, that will never happen to my kid. Do you think that that would have helped you if you had known about this stuff before your daughter was 13? So I had been, my daughter's father is an alcoholic. So when I was married to him, we went to, like, we were very involved in AA and Al-Anon. And so I had years of 12-step meetings, years, like we went three times a week. It was a huge part of our life. It's like, you know, sitting through open AA meetings, listening to speakers and going to Al-Anon. So I was really into both programs and it did help me a lot, but it was like a lot of that just kind of went out the window. And 
I still had this false belief that I could outparent addiction. Like I knew that it was a possibility with my daughter because her her father. And I mean, just it doesn't even have to run into your family. It could be possible anyway. But I knew there was that increased possibility. But I almost feel like I had to believe that I could outparent it so that I didn't live in that fear all the time because it's so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And I was I was judgmental myself. I remember hearing about kids, you know, like that were stealing or getting in trouble, something to do with addiction. And I was always like, where are their parents? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's all about the parents. Yeah. And then exactly. so then that made it even worse. Right. So when she starts using and I have these beliefs they are really judgmental. They caused me a lot of pain. And so I had to go through and decide what I really wanted to believe. And, you know, I had to come to the realization that, oh, I'm the parent now. I'm the parent of the kid that's getting in trouble. And I know exactly (laughs) where the parent is. So it was you know, I had to really come to a place of so much more openness and compassion for everybody in general and realizing that anything can happen in anybody's life at any time, no matter how hard they try to work around it. Absolutely. I hope that, uh, I hope that our two podcasts and all of your coaching will help, help, um, take away that thought in the world that, it's the parents' fault or or it's the kids' fault. Either either way, it's it's not healthy. It's not a way to look at it. It somebody's in pain yeah. and they're trying to ease their pain. Yeah. That that's all it is. That's all it is. And and what can we all do in, as a culture to help our kids? Why are they why are they having so much so much struggle? So oh, it's it's a it's a it's a strange thing. Now when I see, you know, someone you know, leaning against the wall outside of Walgreens, like totally, you know, obviously on drugs or completely out of it. I just think, oh my God, that person has a a mother somewhere and that person is in so much pain and just hopeless and um, they need help. Yeah. Especially (sighs) even now when I see somebody homeless, because my daughter, um, you know, struggled with that a little bit. And so I think like that, somebody's looking for that person. Somebody is Mm -hmm. worried about that person. Somebody really loves that person and that person is hurting. And I think about it so differently than I ever did before. And I think that like when, if we start looking at addiction in a different way, like you just said, like it is just a person who's really hurting and doesn't know how to process that pain. Mm -hmm. And they're turning to substances to do that. And I like to be think about it on an even higher level, like that it's really not a lot different than overworking, or overeating, or spending all your time on Facebook, or whatever it is. Yeah, those things are much more socially acceptable. But if we look at how similar we are instead of how different we are, it's way easier to have compassion just because the things that I've used in my life are socially acceptable. I'm just lucky that I was scared of most drugs. 
You know, there's (laughs) there's times that I drank more than I should have because I just wanted to be numb myself and I didn't know how to process pain before. So of course I never taught my daughter how to process all the different emotions either. You know, we're kind of learning together, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but when we look at it like that and we don't villainize it or attach all these stigmas and judgments to it. And just that it's a person in pain and they don't know how to process that pain. I think Mm -hmm. that everybody would have a completely different experience. Yeah, I I agree. I'm right there with you. Can you talk just a little bit about the thought, um, intentional thoughts, uh, the program that you use? Um, yeah, so um, I actually have like an episode on my podcast dedicated to the self-coaching model. And it is about how our brain works in a think-feel-act cycle. And so before we realize that we're kind of running on autopilot, you know, our brain is reprocessing the kind of the same thoughts over and over again for different situations. And so, like I talked about earlier about how I had to realize what my beliefs were and how they were causing me problems and then come up with new beliefs. Like those beliefs were pretty unintentional. I didn't put anything into programming them or thinking about them. And that's how we go through life. A lot of our beliefs, a lot of the things we think are unintentional. It's things that we've heard and we just kind of took it on. But when you go through the process of doing a more, you know, intentional model, looking at your, what you're thinking, questioning it, is it really true? Because a lot of the things that we think aren't even true if we stop to question them. And then we get really intentional with what we think, like choosing thoughts that keep us focused on, you know, solutions and compassion and love and all of the things that we need to help our kids. Then that's when we're able to really start making changes. That's where all of like I call the magic is (laughs) when it comes to working, you know, on yourself is really going from living life kind of unintentionally, not really questioning your thoughts, believing them to questioning what you're thinking. Is it really serving you? And then creating thoughts that do serve you and taking action from moving towards how you want to feel instead of running away from how you don't want to feel. Because that's what our kids are doing. They're running away from how they don't want to feel. A lot of the stuff that we do, like enabling that we don't like, you know, and people pleasing is avoiding how we don't want to feel. And so when we start moving towards how we do want to feel, then we're creating totally different results in our life. Yeah. I love the process you use. And it's so um, it's not woo woo at all. It's very, it's like, do this, do this, do this. And then think and it. It's all in your own head, but you, you, you think about what result you want and then you go, okay, how am I going to get there? It's very logical actually. And, uh, it's not, um, it's, it's, uh, you can think it through. It's, it's, uh, it's hard because it's new and it's not what you're used to, but it's like, oh, I can do that. And then, um, then the next time that situation comes around, you go look at your notes and go, oh yeah, when I do this, do this, do this, this, and then I'll get this out of the result that I want. So it's, yeah, I love- it's, oh, sorry, it's brain science based. I mean, so like you said, it's not just like woo woo at all. <laughs> and it is a process that's logical and it helps create that mind body connection. Cause you know, there's not, we're really all in our head and our thoughts and not in our body at all. And we're able to tune back into our inner wisdom as well. So I love that logical part of it makes it easy when you haven't been feeling 
to create that mind-body connection again and then see exactly like where everything went wrong and how, like you said, you know, you have it planned out for exactly how you want to get the results that you want and you can start practicing that. And then next thing you know, that's your new, you know, Mm -hmm. autopilot behavior. Mm -hmm. It's, I really like the, the coaching model. It's, it's, it worked for us so quickly. I mean, I've been in therapy since I was 20 and I'm still in therapy and it works for certain things, but life coaching, or at least the way you, you're my only life coach, but, um, I'm going to generalize across the whole, <laughs> the whole thing that it, it was so practical and quick to implement and the, the changes were so quick. So I, I really am impressed with that model and just encourage parents who are stuck in a situation or anyone, I mean, coaching can be for all sorts of things, but, um, I think the model is really, really great. Yeah. It's, um, a nice tool that you have, or you can, you know, you just take these steps and you go through it and then you take these other steps to do, create what you want, but you can see, it's so hard to see what we're creating or why, like we get so frustrated because we want to create a different result, but we can't, we end up in the same place all of the time. And that just gets you out of that loop. I love that. Yeah. So, uh, if people wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Um, I'm at Heather Ross Coaching on Facebook and also on Instagram. I have a podcast called Living with Addiction, and my website is heatherrosscoaching.com. So pretty much Heather Ross Coaching, <laughs> you'll find me. Excellent. And if somebody wanted to uh, find a a life coach in their area or on a different topic. How, how do people find life coaches in general? Well, um, so the place I went to is called the life coach school and they actually have a place to search for life coaches on there that have very specific niches. And so if you go to the lifecoachschool.com, you can, and they're all trained in exactly the same way I am so that they all use the same thought process, you know, the same thought model, and you can find specific coaches on there. Okay, great. That's very helpful. And I, I just want to say, I love the name of your podcast, Living with Addiction, because that's what we have to do. We have to live with it. And it, even if our kids are sober, the addiction is still in the mix. Yeah. And the fear of the addiction, it's always just, it's always going to be there. So just how do we keep on living all of us with addiction in our lives? So I think that's a really great title. And I love what you're doing uh, with your coaching and your podcast. You're uh, helping lots and lots of people. Yeah. Thanks for having me on today. And I love what you guys are doing too. I think it's so needed and I love listening to your podcast. It's been, it's even helped me. Like I'm like, why didn't I have this when my daughter was 12? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a mutual admiration society. (laughs) Well, all the best to you and to your daughter. And I'm sure we will talk again soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. It was so wonderful interviewing Heather Ross. I hope you check out her Living with Addiction podcast and her website, heatherrosscoaching.com. Thank you all for your continued support of our family. Please keep Joey in your thoughts and prayers as he continues to struggle. And just a reminder that you can find Safe Home on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Please like and subscribe on whatever platform you like to use and share with your friends and family. 
And if you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would really help us out too. And lastly, we have a Patreon page if any of you would like to support our podcast financially so we can continue creating commercial-free episodes and help defray the costs of the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash safe home. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe. Stay safe.